this week, I think Tuesday it rained, right? It rained a lot. Tuesday night, well, Wednesday morning, 3 a.m., I woke up. And, and it's not unusual. I often wake up in the middle of the night, and, and you know, over, over time, I've kind of in, improved my ability to, um, to really put myself back to sleep with meditation or allow God to put me back to sleep through meditation. But when I woke up Wednesday morning, my brain was like popcorn. I mean, things were just like beam, beam, just thought after thought after thought was bouncing in and out of my head. And, and my efforts to like focus in and, and, and pray and meditate were just, it was futile. My brain was just not having any of it. And it was, it was nuts. And it's like, it's like I, my, I, I, there's no way to, my brain was just all over the place. And in the midst of this, I'm thinking, you know, what in the world is going on? And I kind of replayed what had happened that night rainy night. We were sitting around um, our family room, family and friends um, together, because it was raining outside. So we're just, we're sitting around, and um, there's a, a basketball game on TV. Um, so we're talking and stuff, and, and there's a, a game on in the background. Um, there were, I had a, a, a sugary drink as a part of our, you know, just gathering, sitting around, having a sugary drink. Um, I had a brownie, or two and a half, thanks to my good friend Joy, who brought them to our little festivities. And um, so while we're sitting around and we're talking and I'm drinking my sugary drink and enjoying my brownies, I'm also um, scrolling through reels. Anybody ever do that? Probably not too many of you, right? Scrolling through reels. And I'm like, holy cow, like my brain has been like stimulated to this point. It's like microwave popcorn. No wonder I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and my brain is just all over the map. I'd set it up for that. Which brings me to the matter of focus. The matter of focus. One of my favorite psalms, which I often say because I have a lot of favorite psalms, but one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 1. And I, I'm... Kind of, I'm not changing the words, I'm just mixing up, I'm changing the order of the psalm a little bit. It talks about focus. It says, Oh, the joys of those who delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. There's that focus, meditating on it day or night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never, never wither, and they prosper in all they do. All oh, the joys of those who are meditating, who are focused on the law of the Lord. And then by way of contrast, also from Psalm 1, those who follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, you can read it, oh, those who get distracted from the life of God are like worthless chafe scattered by the wind. And I read this and I just wonder... If, if we can't find some middle ground in there somewhere, like somewhere between like the evergreen tree bearing fruit in every season and the, the um, chafe that's scattered like the wind, can, can we find something in there that goes something like, oh, somewhat happy are those who intermittently read their Bible and pray while occasionally binge-watching Vanderplump Rules? Or, or maybe, oh, not so flaky, are those who do a three-minute pause after vegging out on bubble mania for an hour. 
Is is it all or nothing? Can we find something in the middle? And it isn't just me in the world who finds that my attention is shrinking. My ability to focus is diminishing. In fact, there's lots of studies that saying that this is happening on a on a pretty per, per, pervasive level, and you see it in things like um, newspaper articles are, are getting shorter and shorter because people just don't read long stuff, and if they're going to sell it, which they don't sell many new, newspapers, but they still sell it online, right? They have to make them shorter to to capture people's attention to keep them reading. The average scene in a movie is now five seconds. And I couldn't believe that, so I went to YouTube and I watched a few, like, just really focusing in on how fast they change from scene to scene, and it's like, it's incredible how fast they move. And, and just, it's just a different camera angle or a different person. It's, it's crazy. The average American college student, one study um, researched, found that the average college student switches their activities every 65 seconds. They do one thing for 65 seconds, and then they're on to the next thing. UC Irvine did a similar study, but they did it with adults working in an office. And in their study, and they did this a number of years ago, they started this research. In 2004, they measured the average attention of an office worker on a screen was two and a half minutes. 20 years later, the average attention of an office worker on their screen is now gone from two and a half minutes in 20 years to 47 seconds. And what they also discovered is that when a person's attention is diverted from the activity that they're on, what they've been focusing on, it takes them 25 to 26 minutes to get back to what they were doing before they got distracted. What's happening to our brains? Well, much of the blame goes to technology, and rightfully so. I mean, you just think about what's happened in the course of our lifetimes. Many of you, some of you remember like um, mail, like people wrote things and put it in an envelope and they had to like address the envelope and put a stamp on it. You put it in the mailbox and the mailman came in like four days later it got delivered to the place and you know, like, and they had to actually read the, the letter. And we went from what we now call snail mail, you know, they used to call it Pony Express, but <laughs> snail mail. Um, we went to, um, to, what was next? After snail mail, instant messages. Or email. We email and then instant messages, and, and now we're to text messages, and we don't actually even send text messages. We just send a little emoji that says, you know, I'm happy or I'm sad or uh, whatever. The most popular app today is TikTok, which is, if you're not familiar with it, an endless stream of videos. And, and the, the videos repeat or move so quickly that... The, the, the next video distracts you from the video that you're watching, so you're like just perpetual motion of distraction, which is actually hardwired to your brain in the same way that um, your, your bubble mania and all of you people who play online games and you think this is just harmless. It is. It's harmless. 
It's just distracting you. It's using the same technology that casinos use in a, in a um, reward, pleasure reward cycle that cocaine uses to hijack your brain. I heard a story this week about a dad. It's not a story, actually. He was relating this information that they were taking his son into the hospital um, for a surgery. And kids going into the hospital for surgery um, is somewhat anxiety-producing. And they asked the parents if they wanted to give the child Valium or video games. So it doesn't matter. Both do the same thing. Technology is changing, rewiring, remapping our brains. But it's not just technology that's affecting our focus. The faster pace of life, the way that we move and do things more quickly, we, we cook more quickly and we clean more quickly and we drive more quickly and, and we work more quickly, and all the things that we're doing more quickly, the, the pace of life is actually, it uses up our attention resources more quickly. It just consumes them faster because we're doing things faster. In the last century, sleep has dropped 20%. From 100 years ago, people sleep 20% less now. And guess what? Tired people are not as focused. This translates for kids. Kids sleep 85 minutes less a night than they did 100 years ago. That's a lot of sleep. Health, fitness, nutrition, right? When we're healthy, when we're fit, our bodies are vibrant, we focus better, we're able to pay attention better. Our attention span, our capacity to focus is shrinking, and the cost comes at a loss, right? It matters, it's making a difference in our lives, it's making a difference in the world. And the psalmist says it, What's the cost of not being able to focus, not being able to meditate? Prosperity is the gain. Futility is the loss. Research shows that along with prosperity, or actually kind of breaking that down a little bit, that the loss of focus has diminished our capacity for creativity because our brains need the time and the process and the focus in a different direction to come up with new ideas and think new things decreases productivity, decreases our capacity to think critically because if we're not thinking focused, we're not going to be able to really process and dig in and think about what it is that we're thinking about in a, in a, in a productive way, which also goes into problem solving. If we can't think critically, we can't solve problems. And guess what, friends? We got a boatload of problems in the world. And we don't have to focus on the attention to tackle them. Diminishing our relational skills and capacity. Because if you're in a relationship and you're trying to have a conversation with someone and our brains are flipping around in 20 different directions, are we honoring them with our presence? Are we hearing the things that they're saying? Are we listening and processing? I mean, it's not even like we can, we're really not even oftentimes like with them, 
I, I can't tell you, if you go to a restaurant, just look around and watch what people are doing, and everybody's, everybody's on their phone, which is already, right? I mean, it's a million distractions right there. It's diminishing our relational capacity. So this, all this stuff, it matters. And so Proverbs was written by um, Solomon, and if you read Proverbs, it was written as Solomon's appeal to his son to shun folly, foolishness, and walk in the way of wisdom. So I'm reading Proverbs. I, I often do this. I read a, proverb, a chapter of Proverbs a day. And a few weeks ago, I'm reading through Proverbs, and I come to chapter 4, and I come to these words. My child, pay attention. I'm like, what? My child, pay attention. And we're already swimming upstream, right? Because what do we have less and less of? The ability to focus, attention. And it struck me this, that attention is something that requires payment. Why do we say pay attention? We have to pay for our attention. Because it's finite. Because we don't have an infinite capacity for attention. If it's going to one thing, it's not going to another. And I've said this before to my multitasking friends who think that they can do three, four, five things at one time. You cannot. All the research proves this out. You cannot focus on one, more than one thing at a time. What people can do is switch from one thing to another thing to another thing. And some people have a greater capacity to make that switch than other people. I, for me, I can't. I, I'm one thing. It's it. I'm, if, I'm not, if I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you. But if I'm talking to you and watching TV, I'm doing one or the other. It ain't both. But sometimes, some people are capable of switching back and forth more quickly than others. But all the research proves out that when we make the switch from one thing to another, that our switch back, that when we make the switch to, when we lose our focus, when we go back to what it is that we were thinking before, that our brain has to take us back to remind us to what we were, where we were at, it takes time to do that. And the more often we do that, the more prone we are to making mistakes in the switching process to, to focusing, to, to, to not going back to the same spot, remembering something differently than, than from where we were. And the more often we make mistakes then, the more often we have to fix or correct the mistakes that we've made. What do you pay attention to? What do you pay attention to? You're paying it, right? It's costing you something. It's going one place. What do you pay attention to? I, I hope right now some of you are paying attention to me. If you haven't been, I invite you to welcome back. You know, come on. <laughs> if I think about what I, I pay attention to, the balance in my checking account. I almost said checkbook, but nobody uses a checkbook anymore. Well, some of you probably do. I don't use a checkbook anymore, right? Uh, I pay attention to my calendar. What's going on? What's coming up? Where have I been? What am I doing? 
Uh, right now, I'm paying uh, attention, not, I mean, at this moment, but in my life, I'm paying attention to Purdue basketball because I like Purdue, and I, they're doing well, and I want them to win, so I think about that, and my kids text me all the time with things about going on with, because they like Purdue basketball, too, so I, I, I pay attention to that. Um, sometimes I pay attention to, to Deb. No, really, I do. And, and, and I think, well, anyway, we won't go there, all right? Sometimes I pay attention to my kids. My screen time tells me, you, it, like you get a record, it sends it to you every Sunday morning. It's so depressing. My screen time tells me I pay much more attention to my phone than I would like to think that I do. Where is your attention going? Where are you paying it? Solomon goes on, my child, pay attention. Pay attention to what? Pay attention, he says, to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of your life. Avoid all perverse talks. Stray away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Solomon says to his son, My child, pay attention to my words. Listen carefully. Pay attention to your heart. Guard it. Pay attention to your words, to your speech. Watch your mouth. Pay attention to where you're looking. Focus your vision. Pay attention to where you're going. Watch your step. This is um, the second Sunday in a season in the church that we call Lent. Lent is the 40 days leading up to the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus in Easter. And it's not something you find in the Bible, but it's something that the church has been practicing since records go back to the 4th century. This season of preparation for the celebration, for the commemorance of the remembering of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross— and the celebration of the resurrection. And it's a, the church adopted or began this practice, mindful of or in, kind of in the, in the spirit of Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness at the, at the outset, at the beginning of his ministry, where he went out and fasted for 40 days. So the season of Lent, 40 days prior to Easter, has often, often been a time of, um, of fasting. In history, um, people fasted often um, one day a week, or in some traditions, uh, people fasted uh, and only ate one meal a day. Uh, that's kind of diminished over time. Um, like it, it began in the Roman Catholic Church, and like when I was younger, uh, a lot of people had kind of reduced their fast to, to not just one day a week, but they just didn't eat meat 
on Fridays. That, that was kind of the fast at that point, which is why McDonald's always serves filet of fish, but only in this season, because a lot of Catholic people eat fish instead of meat during this time. It's also in this abstaining from food, a time of, of self-examination, of, of self-reflection. And to kind of the, the big picture view of what we do, what the church has practiced in this season of Lent, is focused on remembering what Jesus did. Remembering what Jesus' life was about. Remembering his last days and leading up to the cross. Remembering what Jesus did. And then reflecting on why it was necessary. Why was it necessary for the Son of God to leave heaven and come to earth to suffer and die for the forgiveness of our sins? Because we're sinners. Because our sin separates us from God. Because God loves us and wants a relationship with us. And to, uh, to have a relationship, our sin has to be covered. It has to be atoned for. Jesus came to cover our sin. And so it's, it's a season of self-examination. What, what is it, not just what did Jesus do and why did he do it for the world, but why did I need to per, be forgiven? What are my sins? And, and allowing God to expose our own brokenness and pain and shame and, and sin in our, in our lives. And, and embracing and accepting Jesus' sacrifice, not just for the world, but, but for us, because we needed his forgiveness. And then repenting of our part. God, I, I see that in my life that I have not walked with you. I've not meditated. I'm not focused. I'm not living the way that you created me to live. I'm not living the way that you... Desire, not in the kind of relationship that you want with, and turning towards Him again, repenting of our part, and recentering our lives. Okay, this is what I've been doing. This is what you asked, delight, called me to. This is the kind of life you want me to have, and this is where life is truly found. So I'm going to make some changes. I'm going to do something. I'm going to turn from this and turn to that. Recentering our lives around God's truth and God's word, and reallocating resources to spiritual habits. To pay attention to something other than the things that we have been paying attention to. To use our time differently. In his appeal to his son, Solomon gives us some things to focus our attention. Some areas to examine. And we're going to unpack this in the next few weeks between now and Easter. To, to examine what we're doing with our ears. What are we listening to? Are we listening carefully? To look at our hearts and the state of our hearts and where they're at and are we guarding them? What does it even mean to guard your heart and how does someone guard your heart? We're going to look at the things that we're saying, what we're doing with our mouths, how we're using them. Are we paying attention to our words? What's the impact when we do and when we don't? Where are our eyes looking? 
What is our vision? Where are we going with our lives? And do we know and do we have a direction? And how are we walking then in our steps towards where it is that we're going with our lives? So we're going to use Proverbs chapter 4 and Solomon's instructions to his son as a resource, as a, as a directory for some self-examination, some self-reflection that I hope will lead to some repentance and some recentering and some reallocating of our attention that we might know God more intimately in his love and his design and his desire and his purpose for our lives and walk in that. So I have three questions that I would like for you to um, reflect on this week. I want you to reallocate some moments of your time. Some of those like one hour that you spent scrolling on reels or playing bubble mania or whatever it is that you do. Something else, right? Take some time to, do, to answer these three questions. First of all, just do an audit. Where am I paying my attention? What am I paying my attention to? How am I using my mind and where do my thoughts go? Where am I paying attention? And then to ask, okay, this is where I'm paying it. This is where I'm putting my attention to cost. What's the return on my investment? If I'm paying my attention to Purdue basketball, I found that when they win, it's very rewarding. And when they lose, it's very frustrating. As long as they win more than they lose, that kind of pays off a little bit. But I know at the end of the season, it wins with one team winning it all. In 42 years, I've been following this, and they've not done it yet. Could this be the year? What's the fruit of what we're paying our attention to? Is it love? Is it joy? Is it peace? Is it anxiousness? Is it fear? Is it doubt? Is it anger? What's the return on our investment? And then what is one way, just, just one, right? I'm not asking for the world. What is one way I will reallocate my attention this week for a greater kingdom return on my investment? This is your assignment. If you choose to accept it, I believe that it will produce fruit in your life because it is God's word that comes to us and says that when we meditate on it, that it brings health and wholeness to our bodies, produces fruit through our lives. So we're going to Listen carefully. Guard our hearts. Watch our mouths. Focus our vision. And be careful with our steps. Lord, I pray <clears throat> with gratitude and thanksgiving for your love and grace and mercy towards us, for your compassion. Lord, that in a world that is so full of distraction, and minds that are so quick to look away that you don't, that you never take your eyes off of your creation, that you never take your eyes on us, and not a hair falls from our head 
without you knowing it. That you save our tears in a bottle, that you are attentive to the very most intricate details of our lives. You see it all. You know it all. And you still choose us. You still love us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gift of your son that restores a path for us to, to know you and to walk with you and to, and to listen to you and to talk with you. Thank you for Jesus and his atoning sacrifice for our sins. And in this season of Lent, God, may we be reminded and, and um, attentive to how deeply and important that is to us and how much we needed it and how much you've done for us through it. And God, would you, by your spirit, move within our hearts and our lives to, to help us be more disciplined in training our minds and our, and our hearts and our spirits to be more attentive, to turn away from things that are not producing fruit or producing bad fruit and turn towards things that will produce better fruit. Guide us on that path. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.